Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us as we continue our series on reaching the second generation, which is a very strong challenge. You may be very strong in your faith, but it's a difficulty in today's world to pass on that faith to your children and seeing the second generation continue in faithfulness, not just during childhood, but through the teen years and into young adulthood. And today we're going to be looking at how to reach the second generation and prevent faith fallout by having an encounter with Christ through Holy Scripture. But I want to begin with repeating a statement from Benedict XVI to a young seminarian. And this isn't just a statement because mom and dad, this is also a challenge to you, just like it was a challenge to this young seminarian who asked Pope Benedict this question. It's a challenge for every catechist, Catholic school teacher, youth leader, scout leader, priest, deacon. Here's the answer Pope Benedict gave to this young seminarian who was concerned with the ability to pass on the faith to others. I would simply say, no one can give what he does not personally possess. In other words, we cannot pass on the Holy Spirit effectively or make him perceptible to others unless we ourselves are close to him. This is why I think that the most important thing is that we ourselves remain, so to speak, within the radius of the Holy Spirit's breath in contact with him. Only if we are continually touched within by the Holy Spirit, if he dwells in us, will it be possible for us to pass him on to others. This is probably a crazy illustration, but let's just say you want to go on vacation this summer, which a lot of people do after the COVID lockdowns and everything else. It's kind of like a national cabin fever. You want to hit the road, but Gas is so expensive, so would you try to just head off on vacation and not put any gas in the tank? Say, no one would do that. But there are people, parents, catechists, clergy, individuals, cat, uh, youth leaders, who are trying to pass on the faith without paying a whole lot of attention to what Pope Benedict just said to this young seminarian. You have to have it within to pass it on to others. You can't pass it on to others if you don't yourself have it. So specifically, how do we find ourselves within that constant contact with the Holy Spirit? How do we find him indwelling within us in a very practical, real-world way? Well, Pope Benedict went on in his answer to this young seminarian, and he said, we can say, therefore, that the Holy Spirit is the breath of Jesus Christ, and we, in a certain se sense, must ask Christ to breathe on us always so that his breath will become alive and strong. This means that we must keep close to Christ 
And we do so, here it is, we do so by meditating on his word. We know that the principal author of the sacred scriptures is the Holy Spirit. So, God breathed, okay, uh, his life, his spirit into the living truths within Holy Scriptures, as we prayerfully approach them, we can keep ourselves within the radius of the Holy Spirit. This is not to say that there are other uh, important ways that aren't important. No, there's, there's several ways, but in the context, in wanting to pass it on in difficult circumstances, this is what Pope Benedict highlighted. Now, my job every now and then, is to, did you hear that slight laugh? Um, That was a nervous laugh. Okay, my job every now and then is to challenge some of the ways we are doing things. And the reason I'm willing to make the challenge, I have a huge concern for young people and the coming generation. We are losing almost two-thirds of those who are raised in the church and this isn't just a Catholic problem, it's a Protestant problem as well. And so if we just keep doing things the way we are, I'm predicting by the end of this decade, we'll be losing 75% of those raised in the church. This is horrendous. This is an emergency. This is a crisis. So I'm going to advocate we do some things differently so we get a different result. And here's what I'd like to drive home. It's a rather simple concept, but if you get it, you'll be on your way to finding a principal means of reaching the second generation. What young people need, adults too, don't get me wrong, because adults have to pass it on, (laughs) so they have to get it, is a direct encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, what would be an alternative to a direct encounter with Jesus would be an indirect encounter. Now, indirect encounters with Jesus are not bad. I'll explain in a moment. But to make the secondary primary is a mistake. In other words, you need a very strong encounter with Christ yourself to pass on that strong encounter with Christ So your child, your teen, your young adult can have a faith that can survive in the 21st century. Now, one of the things that uh, you tend to hear a lot, for instance, and there's nothing wrong with this, but you hear the, the trilogy of truth, goodness, and beauty. I can't count the hundreds of times I've either heard or read truth, goodness, and beauty. Now, I'm saying is truth, goodness, and beauty, are our truth, goodness, and beauty something wrong? No, not at all. But these are concepts arising from medieval scholasticism, okay? And they're more or less abstract, and there's nothing wrong with being abstract, philosophical principles, What young people need today, and this is my point, and it's a very direct point, they need this direct encounter with Christ. So rather than having, say, let's, I'm just 
pulling a number out of the air, but say 500 mentions of truth, beauty, and goodness. Nothing wrong with saying that. And hardly ever hearing things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Or hearing Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. Or people who think they're alone in this universe, my sheep, hear my voice. See, these are words from God who didn't just shout from heaven, but came to earth and gave himself, ministered in person, in order that people might come to know God, not by distance, not by indirect encounters, but by direct encounters. And it seems to me there's a lot of emphasis on the indirect. Now, this is going to get me in a lot of trouble, but here we go. You hear countless quotes from Orthodox broadcast articles, homilies, everything, from St. Thomas Aquinas. Now, Steve, are you saying that quoting the Summa from St. Thomas Aquinas is bad? No, I am not. But here's something to ponder just a moment, because what I'm trying to share with you is I'm just simply reverberating what one of the most brilliant popes in the last several centuries said, that to stay within this orbit of the Holy Spirit, that we might have what's necessary to pass him on, is staying close to Christ by staying in Scripture, okay? Now, if I would ask you, and I would ask most Catholics, I'd say, what was um, St. Thomas Aquinas's job description? You know how you have to fill out these surveys online and whatever, you know, like, what's your position? And I would think many Catholics would say, well, of course, philosopher, and that would be wrong. Uh, his occupation, St. Thomas Aquinas, his occupation was a scripture scholar. And I dare say what we're getting today is the fruits of him being rooted in a direct encounter with God and very knowledgeable in the Holy Spirit, but the fruits detached from his direct encounter, and it has a different effect. Now, I'll be a Catholic 32 years in a few days, and I can't recall once in the past 32 years of hearing a quote from St. Thomas Aquinas's scripture commentaries. This is his chief calling. This was his chief work. And yet, you always hear the philosophical side. I'm saying... Uh, do we have something out of balance here? And again, I want to come to um, Pope Benedict XVI, in case you're wondering. Yeah, I, I take his kind of direction as, as a lot of my weather vane as a Catholic trying to find my way in a very confusing world. And I want to just tell you something. There's one quotation that I have right by my desk here in my office at the Family Life Center, I'm blessed to have a small home office as well. And I have the same quote right on the wall, right near my desk and my home office, as well as here at the Family Life Center. This is the only quote that I have in both places. And I kind of take it as 
marching orders. So please hear it. Quote, the disciples who met Jesus on the road to Damascus represents in some sense the model of a catechesis centered on the explanation of the scriptures. Now, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we're talking about Luke 24, didn't have the slightest clue who it was they were walking next to and talking with. Here is the Son of God walking down this road in the you know, post-resurrection appearance, and they were clueless, clueless what was going on. And Isaiah has a prophecy that the latter part of this prophecy, Jesus quotes himself in the New Testament, but from Isaiah 29, it says, for the Lord has poured out upon you a deep sleep and has closed your eyes. In other words, their perceptions have become dull. And the vision of all this has become like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, read this, and the person says, I can't read it, for it's sealed. And then the quote from Isaiah 29, 13, that's repeated by Jesus, we have recorded in Mark 7, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. Their fear of me is a commandment of men learned by rote. In case you're wondering, this is a, re a rebuke from both the Old and the New Testaments, but also let's apply it to young people, not as a rebuke, but as a way of explanation of how a young person can go through 12 years of Catholic school or CCD and all kinds of sacramental preparations and then just walk away from the faith. It says, because the people draw near to me with their mouth. So in other words, they're willing to profess what they're taught. They honor me with their lips and they've learned different things they need to do, but it says their hearts are far from me. In other words, they've never had the direct encounter with God. That's the critical component that might be missing in many, many instances of young people today. I have some um, commentators' insights regarding Isaiah 29, 13, and this is from the translator's handbook. It says, while their hearts are far from me, the people's worship is in an outward form only, it lacks any inner conviction. And again, the indirect methods uh, convey learning, convey truth, but you need today, especially this direct encounter to pierce not only the mind, but to the inner recess of the person that's referred to in the Bible as the heart. This is from the Catholic Commentary on Holy Scripture. The punishment of lip worship without heart worship will be the withdrawal of wisdom and understanding. In other words, a clouded mind. Here's from another commentator. Religion remains, but the reality has perished. And that's not what we want. I mentioned in the last episode, if you're looking for a youth group with your your child, you're looking for a good college to send them to, look for one with professors 
who have the fire. Uh, just like Benedict said to that young priest, you have to have it to pass it on. And having it isn't just earning a PhD or uh, absorbing a lot of information from books. And I'm not saying this is bad because I love information on books. I'm going on vacation next week and I'll be reading several books. That's what I do on vacation besides hiking to waterfalls and whatever else. I'm not saying those things are bad, but what we really want is where the fire is. Somebody who has had the direct encounter with God and then can pass it on to our children and ourselves. Now, how do we get that fire? Well, you look in Luke 24, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded on them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The focus of the best Bible study there's ever been, the best instruction there's ever been, the best leading people from being clueless to totally clued in began with a focus on Scripture that pointed to Jesus. You know, I have to admit something. I'm on the mailing list of Billy Graham's daughter, Anne Graham Lotz, um, for a couple reasons I'm on her mailing list. One of them, I tried to get her to read my book, Race and Justification. Just I sent it out to a few Protestant leaders hoping that I might get through to one, but she was very gracious. She didn't read it, but in any case, I tried. But I got her newsletter, and it made me a little depressed, and here's why. Uh, a big banner on her newsletter said, giving you Jesus, okay? And I knew one of her famous books and articles and a series of talks was, just give me Jesus. And what Jesus was doing with the clueless disciples on the Emmaus Road was giving them Jesus through the scriptures. He was focusing on himself. And I was thinking to myself, my, why can't we do that in a Catholic church? Just keep it a little bit from getting overly complicated or overly philosophical or overly abstract and overly on this topic or that topic. And these are all good topics, but focus repeatedly, not necessarily every moment, but focus on Jesus. And I was thinking, why can't we do that? And then I was out of town this past Sunday and I heard a priest did one up on Ann Graham Lotz. He started his homily, he continued his homily, and he focused his homily on Jesus. We heard about Jesus, repeatedly about Jesus, and it was the Feast of Pentecost, so we also heard about the Holy Spirit, repeatedly focused, 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 and that is the kind of things that will lead to, it says these disciples their eyes were opened and they knew him. And in the Bible, to know is to have this great perception. It's almost entering a personal relationship. It's not a religion which is basically commandments learned by rote, which Mark 7 and Isaiah 29 talks about. But no, you move from clueless to clued in. Their eyes were opened and they knew him. And what was the result? Well, it says, did not our hearts 
burn within us while he talked with us on the way. Here's the fire. You see, they got the fire. And I don't know exactly what these two disciples did. There's traditions, but I can guarantee you they were very well equipped to pass that fire on to extended family, to those they met, to those they worked with. This wasn't an abstract Christianity. They came in touch with the fire. But yet, even walking with Jesus, um, they could become clueless, and then they have this awakening experience. And so this is really the exact same thing what Pope Benedict was saying in his statement and answering the question of the young seminarian. And it's also saying the walk down the Emmaus Road, focusing on Christ and having a catechesis based on Scripture, the direct encounter. I'm not saying you can't use other materials as well, but so often we allow secondary things to have first place and keeping our primary things in second place, and that will lead to two-thirds of young people raised in the church and then leave. So there is such a thing as having this what I would call eye-opening experience. And one of the things you need to know that twice in Paul's rather short letter to the Ephesians, only six chapters, and this is a letter to Catholics, okay? It was first century Catholics. And this is what he says in the first chapter, starting in verse 15. Wherefore, after I heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus. These were Catholics who had faith in Christ, okay? He goes on, next verse, 16. I cease not to give thanks for you, mentioning of you in my prayers, why? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You see, these two disciples walking down the Emmaus Road were committed to Christ, but they needed their eyes open and getting the fire in their hearts. And here is Paul writing to faithful Catholics in Ephesus and saying, I'm making frequent mention in my prayers. Mom and dad, I know you pray for your children. This is a great way to pray that God would give your children and you, if need be, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, so that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Paul was praying right here in Ephesians 1, 15, 16, 17, and 18. He was praying that the faithful Catholics in Ephesus would experience the fullness of that direct encounter with Christ that we just read about as the disciples walked down the Emmaus Road. This is what we all need to have. Now, a practical way that you can experience this, okay? And you can count on this. Uh, John the Baptist talked about, you know, I baptize with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And no matter how chilly, 
Matter of fact, how cold the culture can get in the 20th century, this is where you find the fire to persevere. You can't put a moat around your children today. I'm sorry, particularly if they have a smartphone. Uh, These things are impossible. There has to be something very strong within. And I would recommend you get something like the Augustine Institute offers a one-year Bible. And it's a, it's, a, it's a generous amount of reading, but in a year, it'll take you through the entire Bible. And maybe even a better way to start, I'm sure you can find one, just Google it. Uh, you can go through the entire New Testament in a year. But here's the important point that I'd like to share with you. Okay, if you just pray, just God open my eyes and just you know, help me to know you better through this encounter with Scripture I'm doing this coming year. And if you come to a, a, a Scripture that just seems to speak to you or something that just kind of opens to you in a little fuller way, who God is, what he's done, what he wants you to do, you get a gel highlighter, because if you get the normal liquid highlighter, it'll bleed through the pages of a Bible, but a gel highlighter, you can get them on Amazon and at Walmart. And if you feel your heart strangely warmed at a particular point in Scripture, you highlight it, okay? Now, what happens? Things happen in life. Tough things happen. You get laid off. You're engaged, and then your engagement breaks. You're sick. You're discouraged, you're stressed, you're broke, you have marriage difficulties. How is a young adult going to resist peer pressure in today's world? Um, Or somebody at college resist the peer culture? Or let's say a businessman on the road with other colleagues and all the colleagues say, let's go to the strip club tonight. What do you do? What do you do in the midst of these kind of pressures? You go back to your Bible that you've highlighted and simply read the highlights because the highlights were the places where your heart was touched. And when things get really rough, you just go where the fire was and you experienced in your life. And then you draw from that well at a time you really need it. St. John Paul II said, the word of God is the first source of all Christian spirituality and it gives rise to a personal relationship with the living God. And that's how you pass on the faith to the second generation. And I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to learn more about Catholic family life.